morning. Good morning, Unity of Wimberley. I'm so grateful that you've had me back. Thank you so much. And I'm especially grateful to be here this time of year. I know there's lots of activity. I can feel the energy in the room. And I heard that y'all are having a potluck. And I just want to tell you that I have some intuition about this. And my intuition is rarely wrong when it comes to food. And I have this sense that one of y'all brought a dish that has the ability to transform lives today. <laughs> that this is a dish that will be talked about for weeks and maybe even generations. So congratulations. Let's congratulate whoever it is that brought that. We know this to be true. And so we have an exciting lunch plan for after this. I thought it would be good to go ahead and tell you what my agenda is today so that you can see that I'm keeping on track and getting you out of here on time. Because far be it from me to make anybody late for lunch, and I don't want anybody making me late for lunch either. So today we are talking about this is the first Sunday of the Advent season, this time where we do experience, we recognize and acknowledge that there is darkness, but we have the expectancy of light. And we're going to see how hope and faith play a role in that. And my talk to today is called The Emergence of Light. So in that context of hope and faith and the emergence of light, we are going to talk about Alaska and a prophecy and what happens when our roots are growing, not when our roots are showing. Don't let, I'm not going to get into all that. When our roots are growing, then we're going to talk about frogs and toads for just a minute. And then no talk would be complete without talking about cubits. We're going to talk about a little cubits. So here we go. So about six years ago, my family and I were on a trip to Alaska. And if you've ever had the opportunity to go to Alaska, you know that it is one breathtaking view after the other. It's almost surreal. You turn the corner like, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Nope, wait, here's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And my, my husband and I like to, when we're traveling, we like to imagine, we put ourselves in the idea of what would it be like to live here. It's kind of part escape fantasy. Y'all probably don't know what that's like because you already live in Wimberley. But we live in Houston, so we need hope that we, there's somewhere else that we might live one day that doesn't involve 610 or I-45. Yes, I know you used to people. So we do this, and one day we're out at a restaurant, and this is a family-owned restaurant that had been there for about 25 years, and I was having a conversation with one of the owners of the restaurant, and I was asking her how she liked living in Alaska. She said she had moved there from Thailand about 20 years before, and she said she loved it, except for when it's wintertime. Right? And so we were talking, but there's a little bit of a language barrier, but she said, in the winter, <laughs> she did this, like a suffocating motion, because some of you may realize, all of you probably do if you remember from science, Alaska has a lot less daylight this time of year than we do. In Anchorage, where she's at, the sun rose at about 10.15 this morning, and it's going to set at about 3.45 this afternoon. But you go up north to Utkiadvik, formerly known as Barrow, and the sun set there on November 19th, and it will not rise again until January 23rd of 2024. That's 65 days in complete darkness. And it's hard to even imagine what that would be like. But I think we know in our own lives there feels like the way you have seasons of darkness sometimes. Sometimes seasons of complete darkness. Sometimes it's something very dramatic or traumatic that happens, a completely life-altering thing that occurs. Life never looks the same. Sometimes it's just most of our life looks pretty good, but there's this one area, this one relationship perhaps, this one circumstance, maybe it's in work, maybe it's just an area that you're not feeling quite fulfilled, that you feel like there's some darkness around, some uncertainty around it. 
And then other times we just have the day-to-day kind of uncertainty. Oh, wasn't expecting to get that email. Wasn't expecting the car to be out of gas, right? Those kind of things that call on our powers of hope and faith. And then there's also the things that even when we can hold, we know it's going to be all right, but why the heck is it taking so long for it to happen? There's those things that happen too. So speaking of things that take a long time to happen, we can look at a prophecy that happened in the Hebrew Scriptures. Now, we're going to talk a little bit just about the prophet Isaiah. This is his time to shine this time of year because he made a lot of messianic prophecies. So they say, right? And so he made a prophecy. He was living in a very tumultuous time, Isaiah. This is a time when the kingdom of Israel was divided in half. Now you might be thinking, weren't all times in the Hebrew Scriptures tumultuous? And indeed they were. And lots of things were happening. Even when they were partying, they got in a lot of trouble for it. So there were no real long good times to be had. And at this time, it was particularly tumultuous because the northern kingdom and southern kingdom, they were divided. The northern kingdom had already fallen to the Assyrians, and it looked like this was going to happen in the southern kingdom, in Judah, where Isaiah was. So Isaiah was trying to do the prophet thing of warning everybody, you better get your act together. But he was also giving them a lot of hope. And he said, one day... A baby will be born, and we will call him Emmanuel. God is with us, is what that means. Spoiler alert, that's Jesus. (laughs) He said, one day a baby will be born, and he will come to rule, and we will have many names for him, including amazing counselor and prince of wholeness, which I had never heard that before, and so I started looking at it, and then it says that he will bring a wholeness that knows no limits. So this is beyond our imagination, this kind of wholeness. It has absolutely no boundaries. And when we're thinking about the times that we spend in the dark, because that prophecy happened 700 years before Jesus came, Jesus was born. So there was no, that didn't happen for the people that lived there in those times. They didn't see it. And yet it was coming. It was going to emerge at some point. And so what do we do in this time when it's not here yet? This is when we can activate our powers of hope and faith. And I love what our Unity co-founder, Charles Fillmore, he's a funny guy sometimes. I don't know if he's trying to be funny, but sometimes he is funny. He has a lot to say about faith. And those of you that are familiar with the 12 powers, you know that those are our innate, inherent capacities, divine capacities and qualities that we are able to express and call forth in our lives. And faith is one of those. So he has a lot to say about faith, but hope, interestingly, he has one sentence kind of in the revealing word that he talks about what hope is, and he says, hope is a good quality so far as it goes, in apostrophe. And I think he's saying so far as it goes, he says, this is a sense, we use our sense mind for hope, because it's always about expecting something in the future. So it's a beautiful thing. Our hope is very sacred. We can use it to motivate ourselves. We can use it to inspire ourselves on what is possible. We use our creativity to imagine what the world could look like if this, what our own world could look like, what the world for our loved ones and the people around us could look like. And it has its limits because it's always about the future. It's always not quite here yet. Whereas faith is here and now. When we undergird our hope with faith, then there is a power that it can allow us to be with it when it's not here yet. 
because faith knows no space or time. It's not bound by that. And Charles Fillmore said that our faith is, has a magnetic power. He said that it has a magnetic power to draw our desires out of spiritual substance and into manifestation. And that we are to have the faith, I love this idea, we are to have the faith not in God, but of God. So what could that mean, have the faith of God? What kind of faith do you think, can you imagine, that life itself has, that universal intelligence has, that a wholeness with no limits has? There's no circumstance that can oppose that, right? That's when we say there's one presence, one power. There is nothing that can come up against that kind of limitless wholeness, that kind of limitless perfection can simply not be challenged. It simply is. And one of the ways that we can see it in our life, and this is what another thing that Charles says about faith, is that in order to really activate it, we have to be willing to let go of condemnation. Condemnation of ourselves. Why isn't this working? What am I doing wrong? Why can't I fix this? Condemnation and blame of others. I know none of y'all probably do that. Some, but some people, some people do. It, why can't, if they would just do this, then things would work out. If this would be this way. And even condemnation of the circumstances we find ourselves in. The longer we condemn or resist or make enemies, the longer we remain stuck. But when we can release ourselves from that, from needing to blame, from needing to find fault, ah, then we can open ourselves up to a little bit of faith. I love what Michael Beckwith says about this. He says that our spiritual work is to break down the illusion that we're having a life here and the life of God is somewhere else. So it's easy to look at this gorgeous day. How beautiful is this day outside today here in Wimberley, Texas? You can just feel, you can feel spirit. You can feel the presence of God just being outside in the quietness, the beautiful trees, the hills, and yet, is there any less God in your circumstance of having to answer that email somebody sent you and they were just a little bit snotty in it, right? You don't necessarily see the God in that. God is in all of it. We're not having our lives and God just pops in sometimes. Hey, look at the nice day. No, God is always everywhere present. I love this also, this uh, Ed Catmull. He was the president of Pixar Animation Studio for a little while and for some years, actually. Very creative animation studio. You all know Pixar. And he said this. He said that in between the unknown and the known, there's a sweet spot. And this is where all originality happens. And the key is to linger there without panicking. Because what do we want to do when we don't know? And we can't find a way. We want to we jump from the unknown to the known real quick, don't we? But if we can just kind of be with that, and one of the tools I think that recently has helped me is this idea of liminal spaces. And there's a fantastic book called How to Lead When You Don't Know Where You're Going. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> and it talks about when the old way isn't quite working anymore, but you're waiting for the new way to emerge. And this can be in any way, any time in our life. That is a threshold or liminal space. And it's a space that we think nothing is happening. But I recently had a facilitator 
of a board retreat, we were discussing this book. She reminded us that it's kind of like the seasons. In the spring, we see lots of activity. We see lots of buds on all the flowers. The flowers are blooming. In the summer, we see just abundant growth. Everything's fertile, wonderful. And even in the fall, even when the leaves are dropping or changing colors, and there's kind of a death, there's still activity. But in the winter, it looks like absolutely nothing's happening. Stillness. And in the dark, it looks like nothing's happening. But that's, in fact, when our roots are growing. When we are gaining depth. And some of you may have experienced this at times in your life where the external, for whatever reason, shifted. You didn't have the same activities that usually kept you busy. Could be a health challenge. It could be a job. You changed jobs. Something happened where you weren't the same out here, the level of activity. But underneath, you were actually experiencing a deepening. I think some of us had this experience during the pandemic itself. My friend Maggie was, talks about this. She talks about how it was kind of like the brake slammed shut on doing activities during that time. And yet she said those first couple of years where she spent so much time alone, she spent so much time with the divine within herself meditating, she felt a stronger connection to source than ever before. So we can use our time of liminality, we can use our time of darkness to grow our roots. And there are a few ways that we can do this. It looks differently for everyone, but I think there are a couple things that can really help us here. And one I call just give it away. Eckhart Tolle says that what we think the universe is withholding from us is in fact what we are withholding from the universe. And that stings a little bit. I don't want to hear that. I want to know that, yes, this is wrong. I should have this. This should be this way. And in fact, when we can get quiet and see, what is it that we wish we could see more of in the world? I mean, we sing it when we sing our peace song, don't we? Let there be peace on earth. Let it begin with me. How can we give away what it is that we're seeking to happen? If we want more joy, more love, more light, whatever it is, how can we... In these times of darkness, is there some small way that we can be that and give it away? Because it's not as if we don't already have it. That's the thing about faith. Faith is the realization that everything we think we ought to have, as Charles says, to know that it's already here and ours for the taking. And we need to use our muscle of faith to express it. So that's one way is we can just give it all away. And the other way is to pay attention to the good that is already here in our lives. Pay attention to what we're paying attention to. A couple of years ago, it was my husband and I were out for a walk, and in the neighborhood we lived in at the time, there was lots of marshy areas. And there were paths, but we were on a walk one night, and we noticed these paths aren't very well lit. We can hardly see where we're going. So a couple of nights later, I said, let's go on another walk. Yes. And my husband says, great, I'll grab a flashlight. I said, oh, great, good idea. And that's all I said. But in my mind, it was, good idea. He's bringing a flashlight because we couldn't see the other night, right? He's going to light up the path, and now we'll see where we're going. Wonderful. Okay, great idea. So we're on our walk, and I'm on this side of the sidewalk. He's over here in the marshy areas right here, and we're going along, talking, and I'm like, he's not really shining any of the light over here. I can't really see where I'm going. And he's just as happy as he could be. I'm telling him story. I don't know if he's listening or not, but he's just as happy as he could be. I'm like, wait a minute. So finally, in a very, I'm sure a very lovely, nice way, I said to him, uh, hey, buddy, uh, 
you want to share some of this light over here? I can't really see where I'm going. And he looked up at me and just so, looked down at me, he saw me, very sweetly and kind of confused. He said, oh, I didn't bring it for that. I was looking for frogs and toads in the grass. <laughs> oh, interesting. So what do you know about my husband? He loves creatures. He was just ecstatic. He's having a beautiful moment over here. And where was I in my mind? I was focusing on the dark path. Why don't I have more light over here? And he's keeping me from it, right? But he's over there having the time of his life, seeing all of God's creation living in the grass right outside our house. So this is when we can't quite see where we're going. We do have a choice, and this is where our power is, is what we're going to focus on in that moment. Yes, we may be experiencing a very dark time, but all of you are very successful human beings in that how many days of your life have you woken up and breathed? <laughs> woken up and your heart was just automatically beating. How do you do it? Every single day, you've got a 100% success rate. So there, no matter how bad things seem to be, there's always some good that we can focus on, some good that we can be grateful for and just watch it expand. Watch it expand. Watch our life come alive. And that is the way to usher in this emergence of life to, to light, to notice it. Because when we're so focused on the dark, I didn't even notice that light that was six inches away from me in that walk. It was right there because I was focused on the dark. So we can all see how we can do this. It's easy to do. It's easy to be drawn into needing to fix this, fix this dark space. And so one of my favorite verses in the Christian scriptures is in Matthew. And this is where Jesus is about worrying. Because this is another thing that we tend to do when we're in those times of darkness. We worry and ruminate. If I just worry about this long enough, won't I fix it? Is that how it works? We know intellectually, how does that even make any sense? But our minds, our minds love to solve problems and to look at everything's like a problem. And if I think of it enough and turn it away around like this, like a Rubik's Cube, I'm going to come up with an answer one of these days. And yet, Jesus says, why do you worry about what you will wear and what you will eat? Don't you know that life is more than this? And he says this, he asks this question, who of you, by all of your worrying, can add one cubit? See, I told you we were going to talk about cubits. <laughs> Could add one cubit to your life. So a cubit, fun fact, is the distance, it's an ancient di distance of measurement that's about from here to your wrist. So that's all. And some versions of the scripture say, can add one moment or one hour of your life. So if no unit of measure can be had by worrying, then why do we do it? Easier said than done. Yeah, I get it. But that will not, the worrying and the ruminating, and sometimes the worrying and ruminating are the I should haves that happen in these dark times focusing on the past, what could have gone differently, and they, they take us out of the present moment. Yeah? So when we can just be with what is right here, right now, and know 
and trust that even in this, there is good. Even in this, there is light. So there's a, the thing about the place I talked about, the thing about the place I talked about at the beginning of this talk, Utiagvik, Alaska, is that, yes, they will not have sunlight until January of this year. But guess what? When the sun comes up in May of this year, it will not set for 84 days. 84 days of sunlight. Call it the midnight sun. And so, yes, for them, the light is coming. But in another reality, the light has never really gone anywhere. The sun has been there all along. And I want to close today with a story that I heard. <laughs> you know, we hear things from so many areas now. We've got podcasts, videos, you know, who, I don't know. Information comes in from so many avenues. And this one, though, really touched me, and it was several years ago. And I think about this in the context of the emergence of light, of the light that is available to all of us when we know that right here, right now, we do have access to that wholeness without limits because we are expressions of that wholeness without limits. And this was a story, and I like my minister, Michael Gott, likes to say this. He, this is a story. I don't know if it actually happened or not, but I know that it's true. <laughs> and this was a story several, several years ago, maybe about 10 years ago, I heard this somewhere. And this was about a young man who wanted to come out as gay to his family, and he wasn't sure how his parents would take it because his, the religion that his parents were in, he did not feel that they were going to be open to him coming out as gay. He was very concerned about this, but he wanted to express his authentic self. And so he wrote his parents a letter, and he said, I'm going out. This is who I am. I hope you can understand. I hope you can love me the way I am, but I'm going to be out at my friend's house and I'm not going to come back home unless you can accept me and love me like this. So if you do, please put the porch light on so I know that it's safe to come in. So he goes out with his friend and he comes back and it's dark out by now. And when he pulls up by the house, not just the porch light was on, but every light in the entire house was on floodlights, all the lights. And what I want to say to you that if humanness, in our humanness, and in our imperfection of being able to share love with people, because we don't always get it right, how much more are we loved by the divine? How much more do we have access to in every single moment? The light is already there, you are it, and we can hold space for one another as it emerges, as we're waiting for it to emerge. So at this time, I'd like to go ahead and let's uh, take this into meditation, if we can. Might be a little early. Thank you so much. So I invite you to get comfortable where you're sitting. Mm, that's nice, with the lights down. Arrange your body in a way that allows you to feel comfortable and supported. 
And let's give ourselves the luxury of a couple of just nice deep breaths, nothing else to do except be right here, right now. And in that scripture from Matthew, that verse from Matthew I shared earlier, there's a version that says that we need not worry because we are God-realized, God-initiated, and God-provisioned. So in this moment, we open our hearts to the realization that we are one with the one. That just as we are, we are whole, perfect, and complete self-expressions of the divine. Fully realized. Not tomorrow, not next week, but right here, right now. And all that we call imperfections and all that we might wish to see different, none of that mars our wholeness. Our wholeness is always intact. We are being God-initiated, meaning that knowing ourselves is whole, Knowing ourselves is complete. When we act from this space, how can we act with anything but love? But peace. When we know ourselves with compassion, when we give grace to ourselves in all things, how much more are we able to extend grace and compassion to others? being God provision, meaning that all that we can ever need is fully here, fully available from source, but also as source, we are able to do all that is ours to do. So I invite you in this moment to open your heart See if you can just breathe into your heart space. Imagine your heart just expanding with love and appreciation for yourself. Can you love yourself as a being that is whole with no limits? With a wholeness that knows no limits, with a perfection that knows no limits. Now I invite you to call into your heart space someone that you feel gratitude for, someone that helps you along this path that you're on, that helps you remember that light is emerging even when you feel like you're in the dark. I just invite you to send that person some love and appreciation. Knowing that as Ram Das says, we're all just walking each other home. 
And so with gratitude for the journey, we say, thank you, God. And so it is. Amen.